This is Chad Brashears, and you're listening to Never In My Wildest Dream podcast. This podcast is about creating a behind-the-scenes look with coaches, fans, and reporters from our point of view, sharing cool stories as only we've lived them. The goal is for you to learn something new to help your life and allow yourself to take a break from everyday chaos and let us give you a behind-the-scenes look into our world. Never In My Wildest Dreams podcast begins in... Good morning, Saturday, January the 2nd, 2021. Huge night of college football yesterday. We had, uh, we'll go back to the game before the national semifinal games. We'll go back to the Georgia-Cincinnati game. Georgia kicker makes his first ever field goal for a win as time expires, 51-yarder. I really do want to give a shout out though to the assistant coach that has to keep Kirby held back on a regular basis. I want to know what that dude's salary is because he earned every cent yesterday chasing him around the sidelines and keeping him back off the uh, field so there were no penalty flags thrown. So I think it's pretty awesome to know that that's a full-time job. seems like he is a uh, really good one at his job. Game one, as we talked about last night in segment number two, we had the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide blow up Notre Dame 31-14. to <clears throat> Brian Kelly is uh, not happy with the narrative, but uh, you know, as a coach and as somebody that um, follows sports pretty adamantly, the only way to change the narrative is to uh, change the results. And I think Coach Kelly needs to figure out how to change the results because when they get on the national stage, it's a, a fairly big butt whooping on a regular basis. I mean, the last two games they played, they got their clocks cleaned. Second game was Ohio State Clemson. Talked about Coach Spann and his uh, love for the Ohio State Buckeyes. I can only imagine what his living room was like last night. I would pay a couple bucks to be a fly on the wall and have a good time hanging out with them because uh, 49 to 28. And, uh, you know. Dabo still has no regrets about ranking Ohio State 11th. <clears throat> he probably should uh, rethink that a little bit, especially with the fact that, you know, next year, hopefully the vaccine's in. I'm not going to get on any political rants here on the show, but hopefully the uh, vaccine is in and we're able to kind of get back to original and normal college football life. And if that's the case, Ohio State's not going anywhere. And Dabo's probably going to have to see them again. So, you know, the more bulletin board material he keeps throwing out there, the uh, larger the sign's going to probably be in the Ohio State weight room starting off in the uh, offseason here for those guys. But 49-28, to 28, I mean, Justin Fields takes a hit that probably was uh, pretty lethal. And what does he do like all big-time quarterbacks do? He just goes 22 for 28 for 385 yards and six touchdowns. I mean, that in itself is pretty crazy. But the reason Ohio State beat Clemson, to me, in my personal opinion, and I didn't watch the game. I watched Friends last night. Remember, I was watching Friends and hanging out and just kind of woo-signed from all sports, as I've kind of done lately. But I read the, the stats here, and I can only fathom or imagine that with the running game, the leading rusher for Clemson, is held to 10 carries and 32 yards. 
I would have to say Ohio State probably watched, you know, some Notre Dame film because they did a good job of kind of containing him in that game as well. And who knows, maybe Matt LaFleur talked to Ohio State because, you know, those running stats look very similar to what Derrick Henry pulled off at Green Bay last Sunday night. So that was the wrap-up from yesterday. We have a big show coming today. Looking forward to talking to my brother, Kevin. He is going to be on, and we're going to kind of chit-chat about a little bit of anything and everything. Got a couple college basketball games going on today as well. It looks like... um, just following and texting with Coach Jamie and Christian down at George Washington. They play today against Duquesne. I know that will be a pretty big game as well. Um, hopefully Lincoln Ball does well. Lincoln's actually done pretty well the last uh, the last couple times he started. So, you know, that's pretty awesome for him being a division, being a local kid, playing at the Division One level. And, uh, you know, not, not to skip off and say that Williamsport didn't have another guy playing last night, but Ty Johnson played for uh, the Clemson Tigers last night, another Williamsport guy. So Williamsport has two guys back-to-back days playing on big-time television as well as ESPN Plus today. So number eight, Texas, comes in to number three, Kansas. That'll be a big game at uh, Allen Fieldhouse. Huge Kansas fan in basketball. So we'll really look forward to seeing what that is all about. But um doesn't look like any other games are really jumping out at me. Duke and Florida State has been postponed. Go figure. I don't know if Duke's ever going to play a game this year. Coach K doesn't really like his squad, so I think he's just kind of calling COVID in on a regular basis. Talked with a buddy earlier this year. I predicted that Duke would lose six games at Cameron Indoor. He loses two by December the 3rd, and the next thing you know, he's canceling all non-league games. Um, Just goes to show how uh, comfortable he is in his own gymnasium which is probably the hardest gym to play in in college and you know they're postponed again and this is down at florida state and you know leonard hamilton's done an unbelievable job with florida state and i really wouldn't want to travel to tallahassee and i do know that duke struggles at tallahassee because that was always the game as a duke hater which i kind of had to grow up to be because my grandfather was a huge maryland fan i mean like ridiculously huge maryland fan to the point that he refused to buy gas in North Carolina. Family vacation, OBX. 20 plus years, would go down all the time. Dude refused to buy gas in Carolina because he did not want to help Dean Smith or Coach K fund scholarships. I don't know where those fans are in 2021, but I'd really love to talk to some of them because that is about as diehard as you can get. At the border station, if you travel down to the Outer Banks, you know what the border station is. Car would whip in, full tank of gas, park it at the beach. Luckily, he had, you know, um, his daughters and, and their husbands and his son and his wife that would drive him around. But car never moved. Two weeks later, they bounced out. And if he needed to get gas, he was getting it in the state of Virginia. And we were sliding back into Hagerstown. Never really understood why he didn't uh, hate Virginia as much as he hated North Carolina, but, you know, Granddaddy was one of those guys that uh, was diehard to a core, and uh, it was kind of fun to learn how to be passionate about your team from him, and I'd have to say that, you know, the television and I have had some serious conversations over the years, especially, you know, when plays occur that I'm not real thrilled with, you know, as my dad politely reminds me. You're a couple hundred or thousand miles away, and they're really not going to listen to you anyway. You have zero control over the outcome, so you might as well just enjoy the game. 
It is early here on Saturday. Looking forward to having my brother on the show today. So we are going to tune in when he comes on the on the call line. Looking forward to having him. I hope you guys have a great rest of your morning. Tune in back in soon. In my wildest dreams podcast is back in. Good afternoon and welcome back here on Saturday, January the 2nd, 2021. Getting ready to start segment number two. We got our uh, guest here today, Kevin Brashears, is going to be on the line here shortly. But before we get to him, a little bit of breaking news that I'm uh, reading about here on ESPN.com. Tom Herman is out as the Texas Longhorns coach. And it looks like Steve Sarkeesian is the guy that they want to... uh, become the next head coach of Texas. If I were him, I'd go to Nick Saban and get myself a little bit of a raise and decide to stay at Alabama because, no offense at Texas, you're not going to get the dudes you're getting at uh, Alabama. That guy, he is getting, as Scott Cochran once put it, he's getting Bentleys and just putting rims on it. That's about what he's coaching there. He's coaching the best of the best. They have the number one recruiting class in the country coming in again. And, uh, you know, I know he wants to be a head coach, and trust me, when I was a head coach and an assistant for a while, you always want to get back to that head spot, but for a guy like him, finances is not an issue. I would assume that Nick is paying him pretty good at that spot. It also looks like, speaking of an innovative, Kiffin for Ole Miss is now getting a nice incentive. He was making around $3.5 million this year, and his new contract that they signed him to this morning is 16.2 over the next four years with a $100,000 signing bonus. And his uh, players must have really read about his contract and really want to back their coach and the decision that they made because Old Miss is currently beating Indiana 13-3 to at half in the Outback Bowl. Talked a little bit earlier about college basketball and how my Kansas Jayhawks were hosting the Texas Longhorns today. Well, that ended up being a route in Lawrence, and it was not the route that I was thinking it was going to be. Texas 84, Kansas 59. I know the fog is a tough place to play, but uh, I would have to say that's probably one of the biggest losses Kansas has taken at that location. And I'd be willing to bet you that's probably one of the biggest losses that Bill Self has taken at home. So with further ado, I'm going to get my brother here on the phone line. So uh, looking forward to that. I'll be talking to him very shortly. Welcome back. We uh, we got Kevin on the line. I'm uh, lucky to have him to be able to call in today. This will be a fun conversation. Usually him and I get to shoot the bull one-on-one or more, more or less through text messages. But now we get to kind of talk on air for a little bit, which will be a little bit of fun. So um, I'll give you a little background on him. Obviously, he's my little brother. I uh, would like to say that I didn't let him win at anything growing up as a kid. And by not letting him win at anything, I think I stoked his... Uh, competitive juices to the point that he actually was able to go and do some really awesome things. He, a uh, three-sport athlete at St. Maria Gretti High School, was in their Hall of Fame. He uh, was a second-team All-American as a junior. He uh, took his baseball career to Shenandoah University, where he put up more records than I can shake a stick at. He also has more accolades than I can shake a stick at, but we'll list a couple of them. I don't want him to feel like Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson in a kickoff here, but uh, we'll get it, we'll get going. He was a uh, first-team All-American, first-team academic All-American, South Region MVP, played in the World Series for Division Three baseball two times. He was All-Virginia, uh, All-USA South, and recently was just put down as the on the All-Decade team 
by D3Baseball.com, which is a pretty sweet honor. If I'm not mistaken, I'll ask him here in a second. I think that was top 50 players that they had uh, named on that team. So with that, welcome, Kevin. I look forward to having you on the show. So uh, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad to uh, be one of your first guests here. Yeah, this is going to be a little bit of fun. So how many guys were on the uh, D3 All-Decade team? Do you remember? I believe it was 46 or 50 through the uh, position players. Obviously, there were some pitchers that were involved. But um, yeah, just say 50 players from for 10 years over the entire country. So what's that, 300-plus uh, D3 schools? Yeah, it's, there's a number of them out there, yeah. And, uh, you know, to be to be on that list is pretty sweet, you know. And, you know, I had a lot of fun following you around. I think, you know, I look back at the trips that were that were kind of fun during your baseball career. You know, going down to Salisbury, the first South region, and watching you guys uh, beat Hopkins to go to, uh, to the uh, World Series up in Appleton the first time. And then the, the second time around, I remember going down to uh, Methodist to watch you win the USA South. Um, I think we went to Burlington one year, if I'm not mistaken, or was that for the conference tournament? Well, Burlington was for the conference tournament. Uh, we played there at the old Burlington Royals, which used to be the Indian Stadium. Yep. Uh, we beat, uh, I believe it was Christopher Newport one year. That year he came down, I believe. It was. Um, and then Methodist was, we beat um, Salisbury there to go to the World Series for the second straight year. Yeah, and so you were, in Salisbury, you were the MVP of the South Region. Um, you kind of caught a little bit of fire at the plate in the box there. And were you the MVP in 2010 for the tournament in Burlington? Do I remember that right? Yes. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Well, you know, you had a lot, you had a fun career. I enjoyed watching it. Um, I enjoyed throwing you curveballs in the backyard, making you get yourself ready for the, uh, the guy from Hopkins. Since he didn't want to hang one and come back with a fastball, you at least able to get that thing to, uh, right center field and, you know, get the big run for the guys to get up to the uh, World Series. But uh, you've been a police officer for the last eight years. Is that right? Yes. And you have been a detective for what, going on your fifth year now? Yeah, uh, just the end of February, I believe, of 2021, I'll start my fifth year. I went up there in uh, February of 2016. And, uh, you know, it, it's fun to see you as a cop. Obviously, you come out of the locker room with me a little bit. You get to stand and come to my games, and you're actually working and uh, being able to watch sports, too. That's that's pretty awesome. I enjoy that, uh, being able to share some moments with you that way. But, uh, you know, the one thing I think that you do that a lot of people probably don't realize that you do is you work pretty closely with the POW here in town. And I want you to kind of talk about that a little bit because I think that that's something that, doesn't get enough limelight, and it really should, because you're touching a lot of kids in Hagerstown and Washington County who need help. And, you know, you guys were gracious with me this summer. Coach Preet and I were able to run a basketball camp, and we ran it through the PAL so that we didn't have to worry about certain insurance and, uh, you know, payments to the city and stuff to rent facilities. And, and I really appreciated that. But share a little bit about what the PAL does and what you guys look to do with that and what your, your place is at the PAL. Uh, so um, I'm on the board at the PAL, uh, the Hagerstown Area Police, uh, Police Athletic League. Um, one of my partners at work, Nick Farner, is the president of it. Uh, he's, he's a big community guy as well as, well as me. Um, we we basically just kind of take uh, we have we have very very many programs that we have. We have a gym that's set up for uh, first responders and, and EMS and, and uh, police and fire who come in and work out. You know, kind of do things. We also have it for college kids. 
and for um, high school kids that are involved in, in different programs just to kind of get them a little cheap way to go work out of the gym. Um, we had a, had a boxing program that was for, for some kids that if they wanted to get involved and, and get into that and kind of learn some boxing. Uh, we have a, a large basketball program where uh, we have a lot of traveling teams that go around and, and play in different tournaments and try to get, get uh, some knowledge and, and stuff from the uh, coaches and uh, get experience and, and get their name out there for, for the next level potentially. Um, we have a softball program that's run. And then our big one's a, a wrestling program that a lot of guys come through, like Aaron Brooks from uh, the, the Penn State you know, came through it previously before I was involved with the PAL. Um, but he's you know he's kind of well known, uh, obviously in Hagerstown, but um, nationally as well now, just because he's so talented. But we try to take the uh, give an avenue for kids that, that don't have the uh, best possibilities of, of going and playing sports, and, and you know affording some things. Sometimes we don't turn any players away for basketball if they can't afford to, to come in and play or, or do a, a fee to, to play with us. We don't we don't charge them. Uh, you know we're kind of trying to help the community in a way that. Um, you know, not like the junior league does here. They, they help out as well. But, you know, just trying to help the community come through and, and get them anything that these kids need or want to, and try to help them out. We used to have an after-school program that's kind of dwindled over the last couple of years, but we're trying to get that back up and going. Uh, COVID was pretty hard this year just with everything and, and not being able to do much. But uh, we do some bingos and, and some um, uh, cash prizes and different things to, to raise money for our program so we can – give the kids, um, you know, some of the, the best things that they can afford and we can afford at the same time without without hurting mom and dad's pocketbook and, and their pocketbook if they don't have anything to come through and help. So we kind of just give everybody an opportunity to, to get get better and learn a game that they love or sports that they love or come in and work out and, and just you know, overall be there for any anything that they need or anything that they want to do. And we try to help them out, kind of mentor them as best as we can. You know, it's it's awesome what you do because a lot of my players at South obviously come through the PAL. They either play for H-Town Elite or they do different things there. And, and I think it's awesome. And you mentioned Aaron Brooks, who's probably going to go down as one of the well-known um, Hagerstonian uh, athletes ever. And I think that's kind of cool. And, um, you, you know, I, I just think that the city of Hagerstown does try to offer stuff and, and I know you guys do and I think wish the kids would take more of advantage of that because I, I think that if they understood what we understood at our ages now they would they would buy into sports a little bit differently not because of trying to be better at the sport itself but just trying to be better as a person you know work ethic and trying to keep your P's and Q's together when you're doing stuff with the books and you know it just changes your life I mean you know you and I grew up in a household where dad and mom expected a certain level and if you didn't achieve that level and not, I'm not talking about success as as much as level of just completing your work making sure your grades are on point and doing what you have to do I mean they they kind of let us do our thing as kids with regards to they weren't hard on you if you like didn't have a good night or something like that but it was more along the lines of just trying to make you a good person and and some of these kids don't have that luxury so I know you guys at the POW and Obviously, our South basketball program, and not just us, all the other basketball programs too, and sports programs in the county do that. But you know, it's one of the focuses that we uh, that we have that's pretty important. So, um, speaking of important, it's two forty-five, and we're about twenty-five hours in some change away from kickoff in Soldier Field tomorrow. And uh, I know you and I are going to be together with our jerseys on, trying to uh, hopefully cheer home a number one seed in the NFC, which Aaron has not done yet in his career. Um, 
What are your thoughts about the game? What are your thoughts about going into a chilly soldier field? And, you know, does the uh, Tikatari situation really blow us up, or does that kind of rally around that? What are your thoughts on that? I obviously, you know, losing Bakhtiari is huge, and, and it's you know when you're trying to replace a guy that's the best at the position in the league and the highest paid lineman ever is tough. Um, you know, Aaron talked about yesterday about you know kind of being this in this phase of, of the unknown that potentially could happen. But you know, you missed three games this, earlier this year with uh, I believe it was broken ribs or some chest injury, yep. and um, guys stepped up and. and you know, really made it easy for for easy transition from from what you know Bakhtiari does out there. You know, going to Soldier Field's always the you know it's the robbery. And I think back to when Cobby caught the ball, and I think it was 2016 maybe when he caught the ball there and on the fourth down. Um, you know, the center and scored on the touchdown. You know, you get chills about that. Yeah, we won the division that day. We won the division on That's that right. drive. That was a divisional right. win, and we were. And if I'm not mistaken, that might have been the R E L A X year. I believe it was either that one or it was a run the table. I can't remember which. Yeah, it was, and, and you know, Aaron has enough confidence that he can say kind of both. And you know, the fact that he backed those up is a little disgusting <laughs> from a lot of angles. But yeah, it was one of those years. And then you know, the other one I think about was uh, actually it was 2015. We did that 2016s when Aaron hit Jordy going down the middle, and he caught the ball and he held on to it until the entire offensive line came up. Aaron spiked it. Mason six it through. We win. That's the uh, that's the run the table year. So you you, you were right. That's okay. the R E L A X, and then the run the table. But to me, the biggest win in my in my recent history, you know, in my thirty eight years on this earth, was when we beat the Bears in the uh, NFC Championship game to go to the, to go to the Super Bowl, and Aaron won it. You know, and that's kind of I think where I feel like this team's at a little bit. They're just at a different stage of. Um, not greatness because they haven't really accomplished it yet, but there's just this confidence and this aura when you turn on the television or you sit down and watch them. It's like, man, we're going to get these guys. The question is going to be about how many, and the question is going to be like, what stats are Aaron going to put up today, and which running back of our three? Because we got a three-headed monster in the backfield now that's going to really show up. I mean, it could be anybody. And and the best part for us this year is, you know, you've had Aaron. And you've had Dylan show up, and you know it's just it's been a lot of fun to watch everybody kind of come out of the backfield. But as I said last night in my little segment before breaking in that we we're going to you and I are going to talk today is we have Devontae Adams, and mm-hmm. he's probably going to get a lot of looks tomorrow. And I would not be surprised if he lines up more on the uh, right side of the field, away from Elton Jenkins, just so he can kind of get some passes, quick hitters out there to keep, you know, the uh, the rush on the left side of the line off from, uh, you know, the left tackle spot that Bakhtiari is not going to play in, so. Yeah, I agree, you know, and, and you do kind of get that, the you know, the chills factor of, you know, me thinking of, I think they beat Jay Cutler back in 2010 to go to the, the um, uh, Super Bowl that year to, to face the Steelers, but, yep. you know, the, I think part of the motivation factor that they may have with um, coming up, you know, with, with Bacciari getting, you know, suffering a knee injury was, was his quote the other day, I think it was three or four days ago, and he said, let's beat the let's beat the piss out of the Bears because we'll get the number one seed. And uh, I think, you know, maybe that, that kind of echoing in the locker room, and they know what they have to play for. And I saw this morning that um, Alvin Kamara is out for the Saints, and all the yep. running backs are out for the Saints tomorrow. 
because of the COVID. Yep. So, you know, that, that, you know, if they lose and then I don't know how the Seahawks are, but, you know, we have to take care of business ourselves and make sure that we know that, you know, if we win, we're in, it doesn't really matter. So there's no point even thinking about anything else. We're trying to rely on the Saints, trying to rely on the Seahawks because if we win, we're in and that's all we need to worry, worry about. And, and, um, you know, go and attack them. I know that they have two cornerbacks that are also out. Yeah, you said that yesterday. They got some corners that are out. They're going to have some dudes that are really not ready for uh, for the, the California swag and number 12 coming out. Because I, I, I honestly, tomorrow he's going to go win his third MVP. And, you know, you, you're, you're the, I don't have social media anymore. I don't have Twitter and Snapchat and, you know, Facebook and all that fun stuff like you guys do. But, you know, the, the thing for me is you're going to see what he wears to the plane today. And I have a feeling he's going to give the little uh, Jimmy Buffett shaka to the camera. And I think he's going to be in all black. And he says when he's locked in and ready to go, black's what he puts on. And he's worn that a lot this the last couple of weeks. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he wears to get on the plane today. It's always something that you, you text me a picture of that I think is pretty sweet since I don't have social media anymore. Yeah, I mean, he uh, last week, you know, sitting at the house here with you, watching the game, we didn't see what he wore into a to a snowy Lambeau Field last week. But uh, I, I believe, you know, he did wear all black last week, and that's when he's locked in. And uh, I know he wore all black previous this year uh, to another game where he went out and torched some teams. So, you know, maybe maybe his lucky colors weren't all black, and, and maybe he'll do that tomorrow and or today, I should say, as they go on the plane ride down to. A short trip down to Chicago, but he wears that all black, and he gets that he gets the uh, old shocker going, and that swag comes out. Then you know, I, you know, watch out Bears. And that's yeah. what hopefully we're saying tomorrow is uh, number one senior. You know, about seven o'clock, seven thirty tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because you and I, and, and I know Dad watches it, and there's a ton of people to watch the Pat McAfee show every Tuesday. We look forward to the Rogers interview, and a couple weeks ago, he talked about swagger, and he said, you know, swagger's not the fanny pack that you buy at Louis Vuitton that you wear out on the tarmac, and, you know, the loud outfits and the shoes. Swagger is when you're comfortable in your own skin, and this is probably, honestly, even the year when he was setting unbelievable records and, and you know, we won the Super Bowl. And I think the com- the year coming back after the Super Bowl, he had a passer rating, I think, of like 122.3 or something like that, which is the highest ever in a, in a recorded season in the NFL. But I do know that his swagger this year is different. And I, I do feel as though the locker room feeds off that. So I read an article this morning, you know, it was kind of a double written article. It was about will the Packers fold and lose a playoff game because Bakhtiari is out and use that as an excuse? Or are they going to rally? I would be willing to bet you that at Lambeau Field right now, they're probably doing their final walkthroughs and doing all that kind of stuff before they load up and get on the plane to fly down to Chicago. There's probably a lot of rallying going on. And I think LaFleur is going to have them ready to go. And Mike Pettin's defense will be locked up. So. At 4.25 tomorrow on Fox, which who knows if it's going to be a Fox local game for us or not. That's one thing we're going to have to figure out. If not, we will be live at Benny's Pub at 4.25 tomorrow to watch the game. We'll go into the Packers bar here at Hagerstown and have a little bit of fun watching that. Make sure the the Miller Lite will be ready in the big glass, and we'll have a a Corona and a Lime sitting on the table and be ready to rock. So, um you know, you and I were fortunate enough to travel up to Lambeau three winters ago now, which is kind of crazy. It's been that long, but we went up. The cold factor. I do believe that if we get home field advantage, that the cold factor is going to play huge. What's your take on the cold factor? And 
I gave my opinion last night how cold it was when I was in Green Bay. I'd love to hear what you felt as like it was when it, when we were in Green Bay. Yeah, well, it was chilly. I mean, let's just be honest. Um, you know, growing up and, and playing down in Shenandoah, when we, our first game would be, you know, we practice outside in January and February, and our first game would be Valentine's Day. I thought, I, you know, I kind of thought knew what cold was. Not wearing sleeves or very, very, wearing very little, um, you know, sleeves to play. Um, but, you know, going up there and, and having face masks and double layer socks and insulated boots and a guy from uh, the, uh, another detective from, from the sheriff's department giving me a, um, uh, his, his Coast Guard outfit that he had when he was in the Coast Guard. That was basically a onesie to keep me warm uh, was something that helped. It's cold. I mean, you know, when you, I mean, that's there's certainly a home field advantage, and Aaron's right. When you have that, you know, the, the, those guys practice in it. So they see it, and you can't simulate it. He said, but the, the air conditioner doesn't go that well. Uh, for other places, when they try to come up there, just say, you know, a team from Tampa or, or wherever, or, or it's warm, and they want to come up to Lambeau. It, the, the air's thin. It's going to be a little harder to breathe, and your heart, their lungs are going to be hurt. So, you know, fortunately for us, you know, practicing in it and, you know, going to play in it last week in the snow and, the un- unpredictability of the weather up there and how it'll be and windy that plays in our hands. And, you know, with Aaron's old, uh, bare paws of hands, being able to throw that football around, it, it makes it that much easier. And then you already alluded to that little three headed monster behind the, uh, with the running backs with the addition of Dylan now is only going to, is only going to help the Packers during that home field advantage, but got to take care of business tomorrow. And I think they know that. And I think that, uh, even losing though, as, a uh, Rogers calls him Tikatari. Losing him uh, is uh, big, and, and hopefully he can quick and be okay for next season. But losing him is big. But I think they're going to rally rally around them and and make sure that they uh, take care of business tomorrow and then uh, take get a week off and then take care of more business. You know, we beat them forty one twenty five the last time that we played them, and Aaron Aaron actually, you know. He did okay that game, and I want to say he did okay. Remember, he says his mediocre games are like lifetime games for other guys. But we forced Trubisky into two picks. He threw for 242 yards, three touchdowns. Aaron threw for, he was 21 of 29 for 211 and four TDs. Aaron Jones had a monster game. I think he rushed for, uh, what, 90? Here it is, 90 yards, 17 carries. And I was going to go with my, and, and remember, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm going to have to pull this up real quick, I don't think Devontae Adams played against the Bears. He did, no, he did, he did, I'm wrong. He did play against the Bears. He had one touchdown, six receptions, 61 yards. My opinion, tomorrow the game is going to go through Tonyan. I think Tonyan is going to be a monster tomorrow. He had a monster game against him last time, and we're back. I mean, Alan Lazard's ready to rock. St. Brown's ready to rock. You know, we're looking at a good spot. The only one we don't have that that played for us last time was Sternberger. And who knows? You know, big Mercedes might actually make some plays for us as well and not just blocking plays for the guys to blow out from the back from the backfield. So um, I look yeah, forward to it. What uh so we're away. We're away tomorrow. What jersey are you gonna wear? What color are we going with? And uh, what do you what are you feeling? Oh, the away white. Gotta match what they're wearing that day. For me, um, yeah, I'm feeling confident. I think I don't want I don't want them to kind of put the club before the horse and think of the playoffs before this game. But you know, I think they have such a good locker room this year, and I think that Aaron, um, you know, just from reading everything on the floor, you know, doing their their stuff. And but by the way, he should be um, in the running for coach of the year. Oh my goodness, um, yes. 
I think they have a good. I think they have a good, uh, a good grasp of what they have in front of them, and, and Aaron's going to do play like hell to to make sure that uh, it's going to come through Lambo to get back to the uh, Lombardi. So um, hopefully that's the case. And I remember, you know, growing up with Jordan, they said they still got to come through Chicago. Mm-hmm. So you know, hopefully that's the thing. Is is you know. Aaron's thinking, well, they still got to come through Lambo to get there, and they can control the destiny and make sure that they know what to do and, and take care of business tomorrow. Get a little week off, get a little healthy if they need to, and yeah. stay away from the COVID stuff, and then uh, be ready to go for playoffs. Yeah, I mean, so what jersey number are we rocking tomorrow? Eleven. You're going eleven shareholder jersey. I think I'm going to go ten yep. shareholder jersey. Um, going to rock my uh, Devonte Adams Jordans. The uh, the Packer the Packer color Jordans and we're gonna have a little bit of fun tomorrow. But hey, I appreciate you being on the show. Wanted to uh, do this. I thought it'd be a lot of fun. Um, we can keep doing this as we get into other sports. I know when baseball starts back up, you and I could probably travel and maybe go get Coach Anderson, get the big horse on the show. I think he yeah. we'd have some fun with that. He'd give us some one liners. He's full of one liners. He's got some of the best one liners in the business, and I'm sure we could probably steal a couple and throw them here. But you know, I appreciate your time today, and I look forward to uh, catching the game with you tomorrow. Hopefully, the uh, the game's on TV, and we'll be ready to rock. So, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you for having me, and go back go. That's right. Thank Kevin for being on the show today. That was kind of awesome. You don't get a chance to interview your brother like that. But, uh, you know, really, as I try to tell people when I've asked them to be on the podcast, or they've asked to be on the podcast... This isn't an interview. I don't work for the Herald Mail. I don't work for the television station. I work for Never In My Wildest Dreams podcast. It's just me having a conversation with you. Um, we could be pretend we're sitting around a campfire. We're sitting on a couch. We're shooting the, the bull in the locker room. We're sipping a beer, whatever. However you're comfortable is how we're going to have the conversation, but I look forward to having a lot more people on the show. Um, like I said, 425 tomorrow, we're going to gear up for the Packers game. Looking forward to that. But... I also will be on tomorrow morning to discuss everything that's happened in the uh, the kind of wild world of sports the uh, through the rest of this evening. Um, tonight is going to probably be a chill night for me. Looks like a little bit more Friends on the tube. HBO Max has uh, put all the Friends episodes on, so it'll be some more Friends episodes, which are funny. They're funny, by the way, hilarious. I actually never got into Friends until now, hanging around with some loved ones. So until then, never have never in my wildest dreams podcast is signing off. Talk to you guys first thing tomorrow morning.